Let us pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity once again to freely gather here and worship you. And God, we thank you for this season of Lent, this season of reflection, introspection, as we journey with Christ to the cross, as we continue our examination both of the Lord's Prayer on Sundays and on these Wednesday nights, your Son's last words on the cross. Speak into our hearts and lives that which you have for us this day and each day. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have this series we're going through on these Wednesday nights, looking at Christ's last words on the cross. And on Good Friday, we'll do that. We'll hit five of the seven last words or phrases from Jesus. Last week, we dealt with those difficult words, but important life-sustaining words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Words that I know are an important part of my weekly existence. And today we look at the story of the two thieves on the cross, where Jesus says to the one, today you will be with me in paradise. It's interesting about these two thieves. We don't know much about them or their history, <coughs> excuse me, other than that they're thieves. We know that this is the normal just punishment for them. There's a lot of speculation about the two thieves, particularly this one that has these words for Jesus to remember him in paradise. But it's also interesting that Jesus was crucified with these thieves, between these two thieves. We don't know much about the common practice if there were a lot of crucifixions happening at once, but it really adds to the embarrassment and the humiliation and the public nature of Jesus' crucifixion to be crucified between two common criminals, two thieves. Now, I've read this story several times, and these words are not unfamiliar to me, but it was interesting as I was thinking about it this time around, it struck me that uh, part of the story is that these two criminals that Jesus were crucified between are two criminals that, that were chosen. There are many things to be crucified for in that culture, that it was stealing. One of the course of the Ten Commandments, as we know, but it's also interesting, the point of our looking at these words and phrases is to recognize that even in these last words on the cross, even in his death, Jesus had something for us, was teaching us, is teaching us, continues to teach us. And so we have two thieves. One rejects Jesus, blasphemies, insults Jesus. The other accepts him. If we're honest, those ultimately are our two choices as well with Jesus. There's not a lot of in-between, contrary to what others might think. It's rejection or acceptance. It's blasphemy or embracing. And to be honest with you, I think these are not just one-time choices like many would lead us to believe. These are often daily choices. Depending on a given day, they sometimes could be hourly choices, minute-by-minute -minute choices. Because while it might seem natural to us and make sense to us to accept Jesus, accepting Jesus is costly. And so that's not what we always do. So we have these two thieves. And again, 
Uh, these are lessons for us. But we have this first thief here who, who mocks Jesus. He has sarcastic comments for Jesus. He, he, in his comments, assumes that Jesus is guilty. He does not recognize that Jesus is Savior. And again, I think these two thieves can represent our approaches in life, the approaches of the world and the church. And then we have this second thief, he understands. He recognizes who Jesus is. I love this reading. He understands Jesus' innocence. He understands that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. His story is important to us. Because in the midst of this difficult moment of his life, both for Jesus and for this thief, he recognizes who Jesus is. But the truth be told, it's in our most difficult moments of life that we have the hardest time recognizing Jesus often. And so we learn from this common criminal, we learn from this common thief, but most of all, we learn from Jesus. Jesus, who here sets an example, continues his teaching, even on the cross, that in the midst of suffering and torture, in the midst of being crucified unjustly, he has passion and compassion for this thief. There's no rejection. There's no recounting of sin. Jesus embraces this thief with compassion and mercy at a time where he is receiving absolutely no mercy. That even on the cross, Jesus is about the business of the kingdom. That even on the cross, Jesus is trying to draw people into the kingdom of God. And that's the beauty of this story. That this thief is drawn into the kingdom of God. That even in the midst of the torture, Jesus witnesses to the thieves, to the crowd, to everyone there, and to all those who've come after, like you and I, who have read this story. The criminal understands. He understands who Jesus is. He seeks to be remembered by Jesus. And what is his promise? Paradise. That's a great promise. It's the best promise, in fact. We understand that, of course, to be heaven, to be eternally with God. Today you will be with me in paradise. Words that I won't mind hearing at some point when this life, this gift I've been given comes to an end. Today you will be with me in paradise. What a promise for us that what this thief is remembered for is not his crimes but for embracing God in the last possible moment right taking the last opportunity he recognized who Jesus was and that's what he's remembered for Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That word remember is important to us. We use it often. In fact, every time we come to the table, right? Do this in remembrance of me. We, you know, I'm not an English scholar. Just ask the English teacher. 
But let's break that word down just a little bit. Remember. To member is to connect, to be with, to embrace, to be a part of. It is this reconnecting, it's this remembering, it's this becoming a part of something. And so when we say these words, do this in remembrance of me, we're not just recalling a story. We're reconnecting with the God of the universe. And that's the plea of this thief. It's interesting. I got this new Bible recently, and it has these devotions in it by my favorite of, of, you know, kind of Christian authors. And today when I went to open it up, I noticed it was, there was, it talked about this story in here. And so I'm going to read this for a second. One of the most rattling witnesses to raging confidence in God is the good thief. Christian tradition has named him Dismas. And the story goes that he was a terrorist, a womanizer, and a boozer. Yet, in a gesture of chutzpah, so incredible that it would make any pickpocket or second story man blush, he cried out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. One outrageous overture of reckless confidence wiped away in a lifetime of sin. I love that line. One outrageous overture of reckless confidence wiped away a lifetime of sin. Dismas was given heaven in a moment. As we stand at Calvary on Good Friday and in this Lenten season, one truth we learn is not to apply to the heart of Jesus the measure of our own stingy little hearts, so mean, so narrow, and so hard. If we make Jesus as fussy, unforgiving, and invictive as we are at our worst, we will never comprehend how good, how patient, how compassionate, how gentle, and how extravagant Jesus of Nazareth really is. These are good words. In this moment on the cross, when he had every reason not to, Jesus was compassionate and merciful. That Jesus does not reject those who embrace. That in God's kingdom, there aren't nobodies. And we've all felt like a nobody, probably, in our life. Anyone who's been through middle school or high school at least once, right? But in our lives, in certain settings, in certain relationships, we've felt some level of insignificance. But with Jesus, there is no insignificance. That's part of the glory of the story here. It's also a reminder to us that Jesus associated with sinners, even in his death. That we, as the people of God, are to show compassion and mercy to sinners, not forgetting that we too are sinners, regardless of the circumstances or the situation. That we're called, that this is an example to us, that Jesus is modeling to us this compassion and this mercy that we're to show sinners. That if all of our friends are Christians, I think we've made a mistake. That we are called to perhaps be around troublesome people. After all, that's why Jessica married me. (laughs) But that's our call. 
And so Jesus, who didn't deserve this punishment, hangs between two thieves. In his last moments, is with those who are less, those who are unworthy, those who are rejected. But Jesus, even in that moment, associated with the sinners. And that's our call. It's our call in this passage to recognize what Jesus did in this moment. Not just dying for my sins, but for everyone's sins. But modeling for us compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy to those we know and those we don't. To those we love and to those we despise. To those that we think deserve it and those that we think don't. To those whose sin we excuse and those whose sin we reject with the greatest passion. Because where there is hope, there is life. And that's the beauty of what's happening here. That hope did not die with Christ on the cross. In fact, just the opposite. And this thief gets to be remembered, not for his deeds, but because when it came down to it, he recognized who Jesus was. And we get to learn from Jesus that our passion and compassion should never end. That even the most difficult and unacceptable situations were called to show love and grace, compassion and mercy, remembering that that thief on the cross could have been any one of us. That we've all sinned, as Romans says, and fall short of the glory of God. And because of Jesus, our sin doesn't define us. And we never, ever have to be nobodies, nor does anyone else we encounter. That Christ does not reject anyone who seeks to embrace him. What a gift. What a moment with this thief. Two stories, one who didn't get it, one who ended his life in pain and agony and hatred, and the other who had the grace and the humility to simply reach out and accept the invitation to be with Christ. What a model for us. What a story for us. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this story, for the reminder it serves to us. That, Lord, even though you've given us the gift of your church, of your grace, of your salvation, we're called also to expend the, extend the gift of compassion and mercy to all those we encounter. Lord, not just those who are like us, but, Lord, those who maybe we have lots of rejection and concern and angst towards. Help us to have the posture of this thief, one where in the midst of our own sin, pain, and struggle, we look to you and say to you, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.